I feel like Chris Rock. How's everybody doing today? The microphone. Awesome. I feel like a church planner. <laughs> All right, we're ready? We're focused? Do me a favor to make sure this is going to the recording deck, too, if you don't see it on the thing, my man. All right. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost on the move. So Mike Watson, uh, one of our elders, he, his mother would always grab me, and she would go, Holy Ghost on the move. And she would scare me, but it also excite me at the same time. Because I knew that something special was going to happen today. The Holy Ghost is on a move. Why do I pick Holy Ghost? I picked Holy Ghost because um, that's like an old school phrase of the Holy Spirit, you know. We, any of us, if you, you are former Catholics, you, you know the moves, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, but in the King James Version, because it used Elizabethan language, Elizabethan English, it would say ghost because the word ghost and spirit were the same thing. So how appropriate is that I'm using the term ghost a, because it's Halloween, and B, because um, I want us to go back to this original concept of who is the Holy Spirit. I think it's important, and I think, if I'm honest, I think it's, it's lacking more and more in the church. I remember uh, a, a few decades ago, this missionary came from overseas to America and um, he studied for a year, the American church, and then he went back and his pastor asked him, what did you learn? And this is what he said. He goes, I'm surprised about how much the, Holy, uh, the American church can accomplish without the Holy Spirit. Because at times, right, we, we feel the goosebumps, right? We, 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 we love the environment. We, we love it when, when the pastor preaches right to my soul. But if I'm honest with you, sometimes that is the void of the Spirit. And I remember growing up, um, we, we bounced around for a couple churches, and, and we first um, got saved in a predominantly African-American church. It was a Baptocostal type of church. I'm looking at my dad right now. He's going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Five hour-long services. Yeah? And I remember... Um, they don't watch, so I'm, I'm going to say their names. I'm going to say their names. So, so what, sister, no, I'm not going to say her name. Sister so-and-so, she would just always, like, anytime us kids made noise or teenagers made noise, they didn't have children's ministry, they didn't have youth ministry, we just had five hours of church. And so I remember we would always get in trouble because we made too much noise, you know? And I was, at this time, I was a teenager, and this one sister, we'll call her sister so-and-so, Sister so-and-so would always look back over her glasses at us. And um, there was one moment where people were catching the Holy Ghost, right? Don't worry about it. I'm going to normalize this if you're going to get uncomfortable for a second. It's like, is this one of those kind of churches? No, but listen to me. We do believe in God. And, and my hope and prayer is that we're going to just turn up our beliefs without going crazy, okay? So at this moment... Everyone's catching the Holy Ghost. So, you know, TV kind of makes fun of it and everything. You know, I got people, you know, old ladies backflipping in the all, you know, aisles and, and those kind of things. And, and I remember she, she looked at me. Sister so-and-so, she looked at me. And everybody's catching the Holy Spirit. She looked at me as if she didn't say this, but she said, I, she looked at me. And what I read in her eyes, she's like, you can never do this. And 
So I looked back at her like this. And I'm, today, I'm going to catch it. I'm going to catch the Holy Spirit like it's a Pokemon or something. I'm going to catch it. I'm going to catch it. And there was one dude, um, and this is positive, Joe Serino, Minister Joe Serino. You remember Joe, Joe Serino? He had his formula. His formula was off the hook. You knew exactly when Minister Joe Serino was going to catch the Holy Spirit because what he would do is put his one hand in the pew in front of him, and he would two-step just like this. You knew it. You knew it. And then he would grab, he, I don't know why, he always brought some maracas. Remember this, Pop? He would bring some maracas, and, then, and, and, and he was dope with it because sometimes I'm scared when you guys bring instruments, but he was on beat. You good? He was on beat, all right? So don't bring it if you're not going to stay on beat. Just don't bring it. Let the worship team do their thing, all right? So, and he would have the one hand on the pew, and he would, he would be jamming with the maracas. So you could tell there were levels to it. The first thing, he would sidestep. Right? With his hand on the pew. Second, he, then he would start going back and forth. <laughs> right? With the maracas. Right? And then when he let his hand go from the pew, then he started doing the shimmy like this. And that's when you knew, ooh, he's going to catch it. And then when he caught it, he was out in the aisle. Right? And this dude, I believe it's, I actually believe it was the Holy Spirit because if you look at him, he goes, he got no rhythm. So he had the miracle of rhythm once he caught the Holy Spirit, right? And he would just, so I, 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 and I started following him. I put my hand on the pew. I'm like, here we go. I didn't have a maraca, but I would just, I shook it like a Polaroid picture. I just, just got into it, right? And then I remember, ooh, I'm, I think I'm feeling it. I think I'm feeling it. I think I'm feeling it. Nope, I'm not feeling it. Go back, go back. Put the hand on the pew. Go back to the two-step. Go back to the two-step. And I remember, I just longed, I longed to catch the Holy Spirit. And I didn't that night. I didn't. But then I went to Bible college and I just started seeing other things. I went to an Assemblies of God Bible college and um, I used to watch just the, the, the peer pressure where people would come up to an altar call and the peer pressure and people falling down. And, and uh, I did a paper and I asked some students anonymously, hey, have you ever faked it? And according to my paper, 70 plus percent people have claimed to have faked it once or twice. And then one time in my private time with the Holy Spirit, it hit me. He told me, I am not a party trick, I'm a person. And if you could just take the time to get to know me, I will handle the rest. And ever since then, I fully believe in the Holy Spirit because I fully believe in God. Let me say that again. I fully believe in the Holy Spirit because I fully believe in God. Sometimes you can go to some churches and their trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Scripture. Don't get me wrong. We highly regard Scripture here. But the trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I'm inviting you today to kind of hit the reset button in your relationship with God, also known as the Holy Spirit. It's important for us to understand this, and it's important for us to kind of re-engineer what our mind thinks of in regards to the Holy Spirit so that what? So that you could have a relationship with him. So here's a couple things the Holy Spirit is not. 
The Holy Spirit is not scary. I know we said Holy Ghost, but I use that just to catch your attention. He is not scary. And so if there's ever a part of you that's like, I can get down with the intellectual side of faith, but I can't get down with the whole, like, experiential side of faith, can I just challenge you to just keep an open heart and an open mind and definitely an open spirit to see what the Holy Spirit does in the next several weeks? But he's not scary. And I know why he's scary is because um, sometimes we make him weird. And the way we make him weird is because it's not that he's weird, it's because we add our extra to him, right? Sometimes those people are just extra, you know? There's one lady, she was always, every time she felt the Holy Spirit, she goes, ooh, ooh, the Holy Spirit doesn't have a tick. Sorry, like it doesn't, doesn't, ooh, like doesn't bend that way, right? Like sometimes we make it weird and extra because it gives us attention. But we do discover the Holy Spirit when we give him our attention, all right? So let's re-engineer this, he's not scary. The second thing that, that the Holy Spirit is not, he's not an it. We just read it. It's a person. It's a he. It's not an it. The Holy Spirit. When you say the article the, that means there's one. When you talk about holy, that means he's separated. That means he's righteous. That means he's holy. When we talk about spirit, that means that he's not material. He's supernatural. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not an it. So sometimes I bug out and be like, you know, I just feel it. Then it's not him. Or something. Something told me. You better identify that something. It's a he. He's a person. Here's another thing. The Holy Spirit is not a force or energy. He's a person. And I know that's difficult because sometimes we attempt to, to explain God. Right? We attempt to explain God and, and, and say that maybe he's multiple things and, and, and he, he's this and he's that, but, but he's not energy. He's one spirit. And as we try to explain God, there are times where, like, you just can't explain him. And what I have found is this, that the moment that I can explain God, he's no longer God. It removes the wonder. And listen, when you remove your wonder, you remove your worship. When you remove your wonder, you remove your wonder. There are times you're trying to figure God out. And this is what I've learned. I've learned because it, it helps me keep saying it. The Bible says his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Yet we try to put him in a human box. Right? But we still try to, you know, and a lot of people are like, forget it. I'm done with faith. I'm deconstruction. I'm moving away. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And I understand it's difficult. I stopped trying to figure God out. You know what I started doing? I started allowing him to help me figure myself out. And that drew me closer to him. Because now I'm not coming to him as a subject to become an expert on. I'm coming to him as an expert of me. That was way better than you responded. All right? So he's not multiple spirits. That's, that's the other thing. He's not multiple spirits. He's not, like, I don't have more of the Holy Spirit than you do. In you, there is no junior Holy Spirit. Listen to me. When you receive Jesus in your heart, you have the fullness of his spirit. There's one spirit inside each and every one of us. There are not multiple spirits. 
You ready for this one? And this, some of this might get some of y'all tight, but I'm just preaching scripture. He's not a human. And I think that's important to identify because everywhere we see, we see him use the pronoun him. Now, I know right now, the minute I said pronouns, everybody's like, oh, here we go. And I'm not here to argue that, but I know that there's right now a movement where people want to identify the Holy Spirit as a female, right? And I'm here to tell you that, like, if you look at it contextually speaking, I just want to use what Scripture uses, and here's why. When Scripture was written, it was written in a patriarchal society. And so... One of the biggest reasons why it says him is because back then a he held authority, right? So if you take it out your mind that this is not about gender at all, it's more about put some respect on it when you talk to the Holy Spirit. That's what it's really about. Put some respect on it when you talk to the Holy Spirit. You can get all caught up in how society now is all fixated on pronouns. And I don't want to get into that because it's a distraction. My thing is this. Is he God or not? Because he said he made them, he said we, he made them in our image. He made us in his image. Right? Male and female, he created them. So I'm not going to sit there and argue about his gender. I remember growing up in the 90s, there was a song that was called, um, Tell Me All Your Thoughts on God because I'd really like to meet her. And I know Ariana Grande is trying to tell you that God is a woman, but God's not a human. Why does it matter? Here's what the Bible says. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So he's not a person, and thank God he's not a person because there's seasons in my life where I don't trust you humans. So I need to trust in the spirit. Is that too real for y'all? All right. So he's not a human. And here's my favorite one, man. He's not erratic. He's not erratic. He doesn't just come and go and he's not fickle. And he's not like, we need to be sensitive of his presence. But thank God he's not a sensitive spirit. Like he's, he's not. He, here's what the Bible says in, 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 in Romans 8, 9. This proves to us that. He's not just with us when we feel the goosebumps. Y'all need to get that. Y'all need to get that because sometimes people go like, you know, Pastor Mike, can you just open up the church so that I could come and pray? And I'm like, what's wrong with your living room? What's wrong with your bedroom? Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? This is a facility. I know we call it church, but you are the church. So you don't just come to church, you are the church. And his spirit does dwell within the church, but you're the church, all right? So he's not this erratic Holy Spirit that just is only here and you have to meet him at a certain place. Like you could designate certain places where you're more aware of him, but he doesn't just come and go. This is how the Bible talks about it in Romans. This is how Paul talks about it in Romans 8, 9 and 14. He says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, okay? And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But here's a cool thing. It, 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 it's not hard to receive Christ in your life. So once you receive Christ, but if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. 
And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Isn't that powerful? That the same spirit that conquered the grave, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Not just me, not just the worship leader dwells in you. He's not erratic. He's not all over the place. He's with you. This is therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. You are led by the spirit of God. You are the children of God. So how do we maintain this awareness of the Holy Spirit? Write this down. This is important. The spirit is most centric when Jesus is most central. Spirit of God is most, is most present when Jesus is most central. If we continue to just be a church that's about Jesus, we will learn and understand and lean into this relationship we have with the Holy Spirit. So stop real quick. Collectives. If you don't know what collectives are, they're groups of people that get together throughout the week uh, just to encourage each other, lift each other up. This is where we say you get chemistry, care, and challenge. In your collectives, we're going to openly discuss, hey, how is your current relationship with the Holy Spirit? And I hope and pray that we provide safety for each other to talk about that because it's an important relationship to have because it's a relationship with God. It's a relationship with God. The Spirit is most present when Jesus is most central. The Spirit is everywhere. We believe that God is omnipresent we believe that God is omniscient, and we believe that God is omnipotent. Basically, what that means, we believe that God is everywhere at all times. He's all-knowing, and he's all-powerful. And if we believe that about God, we need to believe that about the Holy Spirit. He's everywhere. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. We're a part of a denomination called the Christian Missionary Alliance, and the Alliance stance is this. It says this, that the Holy Spirit is a divine person sent to indwell guide, teach, empower the believer, and convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. He's sent to indwell. He's sent to God to teach. And he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So guess what? Holy Spirit is still on the move. Holy Spirit is still on the move. The Holy Ghost is on the move. And I have an expectation of us understanding who the Holy Spirit, not what it is, but who he is, so that we can experience more of the presence of God. That's how we're going to build this church. We're going to build this church on Jesus. And again, where Jesus is, pre- the, the Holy Spirit is present where Jesus is central, right? Listen, we could use talent, but talent's always going to be limited. Talent can draw a crowd, but it's the Holy Spirit that builds his church. It's the Holy Spirit that builds his church. And I don't want to sit here and just focus on the bells and whistles. And I care so much about you. And this is, I was trying to think of an analogy, and this is what I think we are sometimes. Sometimes we're spiritual bulimics. We eat so much on Sunday and then starve ourselves for the rest of the week because we think we can only experience the Holy Spirit here. But he goes wherever we go. 
If we're going to believe in God, we have to believe that he goes wherever we go. He's everywhere at all times. He's all-knowing, and he's all-powerful. Y'all getting anything today? So, so to sound like a single Christian person that's impatient with their romantic relationship, let's define the relationship. That was a joke, but whatever. <laughs> Is this mic on? <laughs> earlier, earlier this week, I was getting trolled a lot on social media, and one of our reels, somebody quoted on one of our reels, I give this stand-up a zero out of 10. I'm like, this ain't a comedy club, it's a church, what's wrong with you? And then somebody else tried to rape my beard. Not insecure about that at all. But let's define the relationship. It's important, it's important for us to understand where we are in our relationship with God, therefore where we are in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, as God is faithful, watch this, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He's called us into this fellowship. And it's important to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Because one of the biggest things that we just read in John 16 is that he convicts us of our sin. He convicts us of our sin. Stop. Let me, let me emphasize the importance of the Holy Spirit for a second. Can you, you know how crazy this world is right now? And all the disaster that's happening. Can you imagine what this world would look like if we didn't have the Holy Spirit? If we didn't have some spiritual force telling us what you're doing is wrong. And I don't want to paint him out like he's not Jiminy Cricket. He's the Holy Spirit. He's more than just our conscience. He convicts the world of sin. He's our challenger. So why it's important for us to have a relationship with him, because if you're anything like me, don't try to check me if you don't know me. Right? I don't, somebody try to tell me how to raise my kids in the middle of Walmart. You better mind your business. Right? If you don't know me, you can't check me. So that's why it's really important. I think so many times, here's what we try to do. We try to make wrong right because we don't allow anyone to check us. And the reason that we don't allow anyone to check us is because we don't want to allow anyone to get near us. So for the longest time, even as a leader, I had a chip on my shoulder and I kept everyone at arm's length. Not because, you know, I, I didn't want relationship, it's because I didn't want to be challenged. And I limited my growth because I limited my relationships with people. And it's through proximity that someone can actually challenge you. So the Holy Spirit wants to get close to you so that he could actually convict you of what's wrong with you. Because there are many times we love to justify ourselves. Well, what happened was, well, you don't understand. But when you actually have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, he does know and he does understand. And if you allow him to convince you, that conviction convinces you that you're off. And that's how important it is. He is the challenger. So this is three ways real quick how he's a challenger. Number one, he's a challenger because he helps us change our ways. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and helps us get to the place where we need repentance. Again, in John 16, it says, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. We are empowered 
by his spirit to pursue righteousness, to pursue holiness. You're not going to be perfect. Everybody breathe. We're not going to be perfect. But because of the Holy Spirit, he challenges the way we walk. He challenges the way we think. He challenges the way we see things. And therefore, if he does that, then he actually challenges our ways. All of us have had those moments like, man, I should have never said that. Man, I should have never did that. And it's those moments where I believe that the Holy Spirit is longing to communicate with us through the conduit of relationship because he changes our ways. Galatians 5.16 says this, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So as we walk by the Spirit, some of us, this is what you're doing, you're not really walking by the Spirit. You don't have a relationship with the Spirit. You have a relationship with religion. You have a relationship with tradition. And then having a hard, why, why do you feel as though you have a hard time? You can't overcome this constant temptation. You can't overcome this, this constant bad habit that you have in your life. Why is that? It's because maybe our relationship isn't with the Spirit. It's just with churchianity. But if we're walking with the Spirit, he helps us. Hey, that's not a good idea. How about we do this? How about we do that? And he changes your ways. And I think there's two extremes in this. I think in the world, when we are numb to the Holy Spirit, again, we try to make all our wrongs right, and we justify them, and we create different standards just to accommodate our dysfunctions. So I'm just going to change the standard. I'm not going to believe in that. So we have that. But also, folks, even in the church, I think sometimes we eliminate the Holy Spirit because what do we do? We become legalistic. And you know what legalism is? Legalism is when you replace the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. When we become legalistic, you can't do this, you can't do that. Right now, you know, somebody asks us, how dare you do trunk or treat? I can't believe you're doing trunk or treat in our church, you know? I'm like, that's legalism. I'm just giving kids some opportunity to meet some church people and get candy, right? You want to call it a harvest festival? Go right ahead. We're giving away candy. And we're not going to be legalistic about it because the Spirit of God is on the move. And there's a generation that needs Jesus. And we're going to do everything short of sin to reach people that don't know Jesus. Because once they know Jesus, then they know the Spirit, and they allow the Spirit to help them change their ways. Come on. Thank you. I'm sweating better than you're listening. All right. Because of the Holy Spirit in our lives, because of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and I'm talking to Christians now. If you're not a Christian, you're off the hook. Because of the Holy Spirit in our lives, ignorance is a choice. Because the Bible says that since he knows all things, he will help you remember all things and recall all things, and he will lead you into the truth. Ignorance is a choice when you have the Holy Spirit. We have the best phone a friend ever with the Holy Spirit. He helps us change our ways. Number two, he helps us change our mind. Again, Holy Spirit will guide us into this understanding of applying God's truth to our lives. In John 16, 13, it says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. We need to renew our mind and renew our thinking. Renew our mind and renew our thinking. Um, 
some of you know that I coach some churches, and I'm trying to teach, um, I've, I've been teaching our staff, and i am also been teaching churches and coaches how to do this thing called double listening. And what I mean by double listening is this. Double listening is when you're listening to what the person's saying, but you're also listening with your spirit and what the spirit of God is saying. And it's very helpful. You're not listening to retaliate or prove them wrong, right? That's what you do in arguments when you want to win. When I say double listening, I'm, th- I'm meaning that you're, you're, listening to, you're listening to the situation, but you're also listening to the spirit. It's this thing called double listening. And the best way to, to start doing that is to constantly have a dialogue with the Holy Spirit. And so there are moments where you could call me crazy if you want, but this is what I do. Holy Spirit, what, 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 is, what is going on with this person? What's the real problem with this person? And I sit and I wait and I listen. As the person is talking and they're complaining and they're criticizing, what's really wrong with this person? And I'm telling you, if you're ever in ministry, this is incredibly helpful to, to empower yourself with because there are times you, you need to substitute frustration with compassion for this person, right? And when the Holy Spirit, they're not mad at you, they're hurting. Oh, okay. Or the Holy Spirit might say, hey, you were completely oblivious when you said this. Own up to it, apologize, and, I, and, and I'll handle the rest. I'll handle their heart, but you just own your stuff. This is the type of dialogue I have with the Holy Spirit, you know? This, this is an element called double listening. I'm, I'm aware, I'm aware what's happening in the room, but I'm also, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you saying right now? Can I tell you how amazing our time together, when we gather, to gather together, the Bible says don't forsake the gathering of believers. Notice it doesn't say just don't forsake the gathering of church folks. People who actually believe in God. What if, every, what if next Sunday everyone just came in and go, yeah, I see, I see everyone smiling. Yeah, I see, you know, the, they're grabbing coffee. I see this. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do this morning? Because a lot of times the pressure is just on the worship team or myself or our staff. We're asking, all right, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? Well, what would it look like if the whole entire church came and said, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? The conversations you could have in the foyer. There's some people that we could, we could listen and understand and go, okay, there's some people in here that they're coming from another church and they've been hurt by this other church. So I don't need to kill them with the, can I help you? Can I help you? Hey, welcome. What I want to say. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit might say, hey, say hello, shake their hand, but give them some space. Okay, Holy Spirit, I got you. But there's some other people that say, hey, they feel like nobody likes them. You better befriend the crap out of them today. All right, Holy Spirit, I'm going to do that. What would it look like? Everybody's waiting on us to listen when you're fully capable of doing so. Fully capable of doing so. Here's what the Bible says. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how do you do that? How do we renew our mind? We renew our mind through faith. And how do, how do we grow our faith? Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. Yes, the word of God in scripture, but also what about the word of God that dwells inside of you? And how the Holy Spirit wants to whisper to you. Specific things in specific moments. The Bible is great to tell us the story of Jesus. It is. It's great. But there's sometimes I need a manual for right now. Right now. What do I do in this moment? Because sometimes, sometimes I need to be quiet. And then sometimes I need to speak up. How do you know the difference, the Holy Spirit? You want a bigger answer than that? I don't got one. Sometimes it's just discerning with the Holy Spirit. 
And the more you listen and tune your ear to the Holy Spirit, he begins to start changing your mind. Starts changing your thoughts the more and more you do that. Y'all picking up what I'm laying down today? This is important. I know we had a bunch of distractions today, but man, this is important. I believe we need to understand this and grow in this because he changes our ways, he changes our minds, and number three, he changes our hearts. He changes our hearts. And in all honesty, I think I should have probably preached this backwards because first he changes your hearts. Then he changes your mind, and then he changes your ways. You hear me? Some of us, we, we, we want God to change our habits. It first starts with your heart. First starts with your heart, because then once he changes your heart, this is what the Bible says, a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So it starts with the heart. And so as I start, he changes my heart, he softens my heart. If you're anything like me, I was stubborn. I had a chip on my shoulder. I was prideful. I was angry at the world. I, lo- I love my stepfather, but like, but but my biological father put such a big, huge hole in my heart, and I felt that I had to prove to the whole world, no, prove to him that I didn't need him in my life. And it made me so angry and so frustrated and so determined. Realizing that my whole entire life I was fighting against a ghost. And I tried. I tried to change my habits. So even when I, even when I came in, I, I didn't really change my heart. I just put a Christian bumper stickers on it. <laughs> and so I figured out the language. And I knew when to say amen. And I knew when to say hallelujah. And I knew how to bring up certain scriptures. And, and I knew all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I still needed God to change my heart. And it was only when, only when I went through what the church calls a sanctification process. Sanctification, basically in layman's terms, I can give you big terms, but this is what you need to know, is when you allow the Holy Spirit to change your heart and clean you up. And I love our denomination. We call it progressive sanctification, which is important to understand because you don't change overnight. So there are times where Holy Spirit's working on one thing with me. And then after we're done that, we move on to something else. And throughout my whole entire life, I'm 42 years old right now, I will never graduate from learning because I'm constantly in this progressive sanctification with the Holy Spirit. I always got stuff to work on. But you know why it's a joy? Because I'm not doing it for him, I'm doing it with him. And he's with me as he does it. Every single season, it's okay to have problems. Let's just have new problems from week to week. And that's what happens when we allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. Ezekiel, chapter 36, verse 26, says this. This is powerful. Scripture tells us this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you. Isn't that beautiful? We, we think we need to remove it. God says, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. In other words, he will, that stone, that heart that's dead, he will give us a heart that's alive again. That's alive again. And the reason why this is so important to understand is because I'm watching us right now and some of us, 
we're numb when it comes to spiritual things. Some of us, we've plateaued. Some of us, we've stopped growing. Am I talking to anybody today? Right? Some of you, 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 you fantasize about the good old days when you used to experience God. And because you don't know him, you look to those experiences, so you think you're locked into, well, we have to do this type of music. I wonder if it's less about preferences and more about you wanting to go back to the time where you actually experienced God. It's not about the tradition, but that's when you felt the goosebumps. That's when you felt tangibly his presence. So you're fighting for the past, and God's like, I want to meet you today, right now, right here. I'm not back there. I'm right here with you. And if you, could, if you could just lean into this relationship, I will help you become more and more aware of who I am in your life. And he will challenge us, but the, not challenges for the sakes. There's some people out there that are just challengers, period. He challenges you to grow you. Why? Because he's a holy God. And when we think of a holy God, a holy God, he, he doesn't, he's not holy and wants to reject us. He's holy and loving and wants to correct us and bring us closer to him and make us more like him. So I don't want to play the role. Sometimes we also interchange the pastor's job description with the Holy Spirit's job description. That's why a whole bunch of people go, Pastor Mike, is this right or wrong? Especially nowadays, because some things aren't like completely crystal clear in scripture. Pastor Mike, is this right or wrong? I don't know, what is the Holy Spirit telling you right now? And that's not a cop-out. That's not like me not wanting to do my job. That's me understanding that's above my pay grade. It's the Holy Spirit's job to change you. So what's my job? My job is to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. That's my job, is to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. And watch this. I have grown to trust the byproduct of that relationship with the Holy Spirit. When, when I first started hanging out with you crazy church people, everybody wanted to change my language because like, I, I just cussed a lot. I just, it just constantly, even when I tried not to slip, it would slip out in church, it would slip out in school because like, it's just the way I talk. Right? I was like an unsaved you know, Sam Jackson, I don't know. Like, just struggled. And my baseball coach, he, he, not once, he never corrected my language. All he did was continue to introduce me to the real Jesus. That's all he did. And eventually, when I started desiring more of his presence, I started desiring more of his grace, I started desiring to actually have a relationship with God, I decided, you know what? I'm gonna clean up my language because it, it makes people uncomfortable and sometimes it doesn't honor God. So I'm gonna do it. And that was a work of the Holy Spirit. We think, again, he's, <laughs> Holy Spirit's not a party trick, he's a person. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we always talk about how we experience the Holy Spirit in service. But when we first see in scripture, when the Holy Spirit comes and empowers people, everyone starts speaking in tongues. But it wasn't just like, highly experiential Christian party. When they were speaking in tongues, the Bible says that they were speaking the glory of God in other people's language. So 
The first time we see the empowerment of the Holy Spirit isn't for us to have a dope service. The first time we see the Holy Spirit was to empower our mission to go out and love the world and introduce the world to the glory of God. That's what the Holy Spirit really wants to do. So the Holy Spirit, he is in you for you, but he's on you for others. He's in you for you, and he's on you for others. I'm giving you the end of this series because this is what I want you to hold on to. Yeah, we're going to talk about how he challenges you and how he comforts you and how he does this and how he does that. But at the end of the day, he empowers us. He empowers us. Acts 1-8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witness to the uttermost parts of the world. That's the Holy Ghost on the move. That's the Holy Ghost on the move. So here's what I want to do. Let's all stand. I want to pray. I'm going to close our time together. I think it's a shame that sometimes we, the church, talks about repentance all the time. You know, when you see some rude Christians picketing in front of groups and organizations, say the term repent. And I agree, we all, all of us need to repent. But our repentance is empty if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to convict us. I think it starts with conviction of the Holy Spirit. So I wish when we were out there, we'd just say, hey, can I just talk to you about the love of God? Because it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And the Holy Spirit is so kind that he doesn't just condemn us, he convicts us and lets us know that we're doing wrong and gives us the opportunity to repent, to say I'm sorry, to turn around and to do it better the next time.